This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week number 704, brought to you by Eero. Go to Eero.com slash iFanboy and enter code iFanboy at checkout to get free overnight shipping with your order and iFanboy listeners just like you.
Welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 704. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello, Josh and everyone. Who's who's on location. But that's all you get to know about it. He's on location. Sometimes you carefully plan a show uh-huh. from a production standpoint, a complicated uh-huh. show, and nothing goes right. And uh, you end up re- doing it remotely, and that's the way it goes. <laughs> Technically, everyone's always on location. That's true. But no one else needs to know the, the, the headaches we've gone through today. I, I don't need to get Nothing benefits. compared to people who are dealing with fires and things, but still, it's uh, it was a pain in the butt. We are iFanboy, and every week, this is a huge pain in the ass when we read our sack of comics and pick our favorite book and call that the pain in the ass of the week. Pick of the week. We talk about that book. We talk about other comics from the week. We will talk about the patron pick, and uh, we are going to be skipping listener mail this week because there's many, many things to talk about. It was difficult to winnow them down, even though not a very large week, but plenty to talk about, I noticed. Yeah. Your spoiler warning is that there will be spoilers about the books that we're going to talk about because, duh. This is a review show. That's how it works. You don't want to. You don't want to know about what's happening. Come back after you've read them. Connor, you had the pick. I don't think it was a surprise. It's Batman Universe number four. This is the third out of four books that's been pick of the week. It's only a six issue miniseries and it's two thirds over, but it's my favorite book out right now. And I had a, I had a sneaking suspicion when I looked at my list this week because at the end of the last issue was when Batman and uh, Hal Jordan were transported via magical Fabergé egg to the Old West and met Jonah Hex. So this was going to be the Jonah Hex team-up issue. And I figured, considering he is one of mine and your favorite characters, that this had a good chance. And it paid off really well. I had everything I wanted wanted out of this three-way team-up in the Old West in which Batman and Hal Jordan have to convince Jonah Hex of, of their mission and... Jonah Hex encounters technologies and super suits and supervillains and superpowers and all drawn beautifully by Nick Darrington who can draw the hell out of Old West clothing and guns and horses and a beautiful fight scene in the middle, silent fight scene with uh, 36912 panels per page. This book just continues to impress. We've been talking a lot about DC. There's been a lot of DC picks and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that Bendis is really invigorated uh, a whole section of the universe here. And there's a lot of stagnation in comics right now, creatively, I think. But his move over to DC has paid off in spades. And I know people are sick of us talking about him, but the fact of the matter is there's no corner of comics that I'm more excited to read every week right now than the Bendis Corner, which includes all kinds of different books. So we're going to talk about a bunch of them today. It's just a lot of fun. I think you're right. I think you're very right. I think you were very right to point out that uh, two-page, 12-panel sequence. Yep. That was sort of the highlight of the whole thing for me. I love it when that happens. And I also think, like, I bet artists like that. That's like, this is when you really get to do the thing. You know, like, that's the work of comics is sort of that kind of storytelling. Unless you're a splash page person, in which case you're probably worthless. And especially no. in a Bendis book in which the words are the star a lot of the times. This is yeah, that's a, a good point. This is, you know, all storytelling. Well, and also, you know, him being a, a, you know, I don't even know if people remember, but he was an artist. Like, he was originally, you know, writer artist. In fact, the only reason he was writing was to get his stories so he could draw some stuff to tell his stories. And it it turned out that that was the thing he had a better aptitude in. But he has always had an appreciation for comic book art uh, as a thing. So it's, it's not surprising, but I also see what you mean. I don't know if this is valid, but there was a bit in here. There's one thing I did not like in this book. It's a little tiny moment. Do you know what it is? Uh, I know there's been moments throughout this week's of comics that we're going to talk about. There's, there's one bit. There's oh, one there bit. was one. There was there's one bit mm-hmm. I didn't like. I wonder if it's the same mm-hmm. bit. You tell me what yours was. Asking for a friend. That was the wrong choice. 
I was like, what the fuck is that? The line before it was funny. Yeah. But also, I did I did have a, a recurring sort of feeling of like, this isn't what Jonah Hex sounds like. But I know that that's not, you know, valid necessarily. There was a little bit of, because to me, that, that Jimmy Palmiotti, Justin Gray, you know, sort of taciturn Jonah Hex is the one in my mind. So I was like, this guy's awfully chatty. <laughs> now, it's not necessarily wrong, but it took me a little bit to get in the headspace of it. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to accept it. And then he said, asking for a friend. I was like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah, that was the one. And you're right. I mean, if you take that, if you cut that line, it, it's still a funny panel. Yeah. When he asked, is that witchcraft? That's a great line. Yeah, that one I winced at, but kept going. I think I mentioned this last week on some book, but what was the one that, I can't remember, but it was something where I was like, he's starting, maybe this is when I was talking about Jimmy Olsen actually last mm. time, where Fraction was starting to feel his oats and just letting it fly, and I feel like there was a little bit of that in this one, mm-hmm. like, just, like, I'm just going to have fun with it, which is okay, but there's a sort of razor edge line, I think, that that can sometimes just, once something, it doesn't even have to be bad, once something stands out to you like that for a second, it just takes you out of it for a second, or it does me, that's sort of a, a thing. Yeah, and I, I mean, I think I give Bendis rope because he's always been that way. You know, the joke was that every character spoke Yiddish, no matter if they were Jewish or not, that he writes, and that's his thing. And so you kind of have to roll with it. But one of the things that I had really liked about all of the DC stuff so far is that he'd sort of reined that into a, you know, mm-hmm. like he dialed he dialed the, the Bendis down from eight to six. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought that that was really good, did a service for his work. And, I, and listen, you're listening to this. I am talking about a minuscule thing. I, I enjoyed the issue. I don't know that I would have made a pick of the week, but I absolutely understand what it was. I want to watch Hal Jordan and uh, Bruce walk out of the store with their new clothes <laughs> as often as possible. I don't know why they had this. I thought they were going to give him some some dirty Western clothes, and they come out in the Marty McFly Back to the Future three outfits. They had well, it's, it's not it's not quite the time. rhinestone stuff, but no, he is lucky they had a green vest and boots bow, and bow tie. Yeah. As we said before, this is a reprint of the Walmart stuff, so it's been out for a while. I, I don't know what Nick Darrington's working on right now, currently, but it should be high profile. If it's not, I hope it's his choice because he should be, he should be on a major DC book. You yeah. know, we talked about this with many people. You know, like Tom Taylor. They've got a lot of talent now at the edges, and, and they should be using them. And I realize that perhaps our aesthetic is different than the people in charge of DCs right now. This is a very strong, strong point, and perhaps even that of the general buying public. Um, yeah, but I mean, even even more so, I think what these the people in charge of DC, what they want their comics to look and sound like, is not necessarily what we like. But they're, yeah, they're in charge, and we just talk about. Also, it. I mean, I, I Dave Stewart does not hurt this in one single bit. It's it's funny because I feel like he used to be maybe a little more ubiquitous than he is now, and now when I see him, it's like oh, you know, it's it's the moment. Well, you were reading more Dark Horse. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But even so, like, this color palette that is in here is not the kind of thing you would see in, like, a Hellboy universe no. book. Mm. This is a color palette that reminds me of New Frontier. Yeah, this is or, totally his New Frontier color palette. His superhero it, color or, palette. or even when, when Darwin did issues of Jonah Hex, Stuart colored it, I believe. Yes. So that sort of brings it right back in there, too. I really like Vandal Savage in these issues, too. And I, I just want to bring that up. I liked the bit in the past where we weren't really sure where everybody was in time and they were trying to figure out the mystery of like, does he know who Bruce Wayne is or just know who Batman is? And then the sort of surprise at the end, you know, the, the twist that happens right at the very end bit, I thought was fantastic too. I was really plotting. Batman's been chasing this Fabergé egg that's got these powers that we don't understand. They, they, they send him around time and space and they make you kind of dumb around it and 
So in the last issue, he got he and Hal got transported to the Old West, and here they have to enlist Jonah Hex to help them find the egg, and they encounter Vandal Savage and his ninjas, and there's a giant Old West ninja fight, and then of course get zapped back into the present day at the end. Although not before Vandal Savage shoots and kills <laughs> Bruce Wayne, so it may be over. This may be it. We 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 may have this may be a big issue that no one's talking about: the death of Batman. Mm-hmm. This is what I would call a rollicking good time. You yeah, know, it's like uh, it reminds me a lot of Avengers Forever that we really enjoyed way back in the old days, which was sort of like a time travel story where just you take you some heroes and you you bounce them around, and every other issue they have they what the hell, where the, where am I and they have to figure it out and and get to the next thing and it's it's just a lot of fun and Nick Darrington I can't say enough good things about him he's a terrific storyteller his character work is great it's just it's a beautiful book it's a really beautiful book. The one thing we've always talked about Bendis is, is that he's got a great artist with him. I mean, he has a great eye for art, and that goes to with the next book, Superman 16, which he brings over his Marvel collaborator, David LaFuente, who did uh, Ultimate Spider-Man, to draw the sort of goodbye for, of John and Damien as John tells Damien he's going to go live in the future. And so they have a night out on patrol together. I like this issue a lot, too. I could have made this the pick, but I just couldn't bring myself to make a Damien book the pick. Well, it, that's interesting. I think I might have made this the pick. I think there's one other book that I was pretty sure would have been for me. But I liked the crap out of this. And and the whole time I was thinking, I, this, is this the best Damien story I've ever read outside of <laughs> Batman and Robin 1 through 3? It could be. I'm pretty sure it is. And, you know, unlike before when I was, I was complaining about how Jonah Hex was written, he wasn't written like Damien had been written in the past. He's much more kid-like. Yes. I guess. But it worked really well. You know, Bendis is such a, he's turned, I mean, like we've seen his whole career as he be, was like a single dude to a guy with kids to the guy now. And like, there's such a, a heart in this stuff that did not used to be there. The hugging mm-hmm. specifically, there's a lot of hugging in the books now. And there's definitely like, I mean, I, I don't, I'm could be reading into it, but I'm seeing a very parental viewpoint, especially with these sort of, Oh, for you know, sure. The, the oh, bits sure. with Superman and John, but I, I thought it was really sweet. I thought it was really nice character work. I really like how Damien was drawn through the whole thing, except he has shoelaces, which is stupid. <laughs> That's his costume, yeah. Yeah, and then there's a bit where he flies off with Saturn Girl. He says, I love you, Dad, and then Superman says, I love you more, and he goes, that's completely impossible. And then the panel after that is just Superman sort of looks standing there looking forlorn. That made me all misty. Like, I was like, oh, my God, that was sweet. Like, it really... Like that, I didn't expect it either. Like I had a, a genuine emotional reaction to that stuff. It was a really good issue, you know. And and man, Lafuente, just killing it. It's funny because in other books they've been trending Damien older. Mm-hmm. You know, especially in the Batman books, it's been like he's he's aged a little bit. I think they think yeah. they, they put him around like sixteen or something. And and here, I know they're trying to contrast him with John because the whole thing is John came back from space yeah. and he's aged and Damien is still younger and so they make him Damien smaller and act a little younger but mm-hmm. just it's funny it's not quite what he's doing in the Batman books but it didn't matter because the contrast was great the fact that he's so much smaller than, yeah. than John is funny and Damien's yeah. like let's buy beer it's like we don't drink it's like well but we should do something yeah it was funny and I, I liked that as, as just an idea like a character idea of the fact that like he puts up a huge front with everybody but when he's with this character for some reason he lets it go and he just acts like a kid. So that is at the same time, you know, along with the idea that, you know, this Damien and in other books too, I've seen this. If nothing else, he seems formidable. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about the idea that for a long time you had, you know, you had Batman who was sort of grim and you needed Dick Grayson or Tim to 
contrast that. Mm-hmm. And now it's almost the other way. Like Batman has been opened up a little more. And so the it, the contrast goes the other way. Like Batman's accepted that he has this family. Right. That you know that he cares about everybody. And this Damien's trying to be gruff and grim and whatever, but really just wants attention and needs to be loved and whatever. And I actually think that works pretty well as a concept. And I don't think everybody can do it. It's it's hard to write an annoying kid who's endearing, I think. Right, for sure. So maybe that's the thing. It was it was good. That's my point. If you think too hard about it, I mean, you tell me. Uh, Lois and Superman are being very blasé about their son coming back and then immediately leaving to go live in the future. I mean, I get it. That the metaphor is sort of like him going to college, but they haven't gotten 18 years with him. He was a kid, and he was gone, he came back, and a day later he's being sent off for the future. So I think the only thing is it seems they seem sort of cool about it, which I think – Maybe parent wouldn't, but you you would be a better person to tell that than I would. Then again, he's Superman, and maybe he realizes, you know, his his moral compass is a little bit higher than. Not only that, but you know, his kid's invulnerable. Right. I don't even mean worried about it so much as just like, yeah, hey, miss my kid, you know. Yeah. Well, but I mean, they've got a super phone that works across time, apparently. So that helps. <laughs> that does help. And but, you know, I I like the. Well, would you do this? Yeah. yeah, I would. You know, and and there, right there's a whole answer there. I think that's a really nice justification. Yeah, I love that Damien wants to go, and I was all for it. Bring him, I bring know, him to I the thought... future. Take him away. He wants to go live in the future and be the, the Batman of the Legion of Superheroes. Let him do it. So let's talk about Event Leviathan number five. This is the third Bendis book of the week, and this is the fifth of the six issues of the mystery. And, man, I was really hoping we'd get a reveal here because I think he's doing a really good job of – pacing this in thriller-like fashion where we're, we're, this was a sort of a breakneck issue in which things mm-hmm. were happening very quickly, reveals were... In the classic mystery style, there's always a fake reveal before the real reveal. So here, they think they figured it out and that Leviathan is Sam Lane, but it's not. There's always the fake reveal right before. I found that sequence, pretty much everything from the first part of the book to be really kind of hard to hold on to. I was very mm-hmm. sort of confused about where it was going. There's a lot of broken dialogue. There was a lot of I just couldn't tell where Lois was coming from. Mm-hmm. And I also didn't understand, like, she was saying, like, hey, Smallville, she's trying to talk to him, which is awesome. I like how she does that. It's her cell phone. She doesn't need one. She just says it and he can hear her. Right. But I was like, don't they not know who he is? And isn't she being sort of cavalier with that? <laughs> then know. there's another bit in here. There was another comic this week where somebody very casually said, oh, but Bruce Wayne ball of stuff. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. No, what well, I think is it in this one with the car. And he's like, it's my car. Because she could remember she took his... $3 million vehicle or whatever yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that Batman has been listening to it through that. And then Batman says, it's my money, so I get to do that. But I was like, no, it's Bruce Wayne's car. That's what we knew from before. It's not Batman's car. And none of these people know who Batman is, especially not Harvey Bullock. Yeah. That was weird. There's a lot of cavalierness these days about the secret identities, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, I, the the point the point being like up through about the middle of this book, I was like, I'm really not digging this because I don't think it's very well done. Something happened where somebody broke in and shot at uh, Plastic Sam. Man. No, that they no. were in the hospital. They shot at Sam Lane, and that's where all the um, the dark detectives were. Right, I know, but so then you had like he says, "Is it Elongated Man?" Yeah. Says everybody back, and and then Samuels back you rubber band, mm-hmm. and I was like this doesn't. And then Zatanna, is that right? Yep. Yeah. Says you know gets back to Gotham, and then there's like a shot, and I I just and then then Superman has Plastic Man. He's somewhere else. Like it's just well because it's Plastic Man and Elongated Man. 
They're in two yeah, I think that might have been what my problem was there. But still, that sequence, I was very unclear what was happening. I read it a bunch of times. And it looked real good. So they were questioning Sam Lane in the hospital. The assassin mm-hmm. showed up and sh- started shooting, and Sam shot back, and then Zatanna zapped them all away. Okay. To me, the biggest problem, it's not even as big a problem, I assume, to you, is that this is a terrible Constantine. Oh, my God. I forgot about not it. Not just the, the dialogue, which is, is what it is, but he's wearing a black suit. He's got like a, a, a goatee without the mustache. It was unclear who it was a bunch of times. They called him by name here. That's that's right. the reason I knew who. Yeah, I know. But then, like, he'd come back, and I was like, "Who the hell is this guy talking?" I was like, "Oh, that's supposed to be Constantine again. That's terrible." No, it was. Yeah, I I, I sent you a text, and I was like, "Man, this is not allowed to write Constantine." <laughs> period. Yeah, no, you're you're totally right. It's not. It's. I don't know why they put him in a black suit and black jacket. He doesn't wear. Yeah, no, you're weird. right. No tie. Oh, he doesn't always wear a tie. No, he wears the tie. Like that's. Because he's just a blonde white guy, he doesn't get a superhero suit, but he gets his costume. Right. So you know who you're talking about. And he doesn't say bloody every third word. Oh, so – and I was, I was like, oh, wow, he's really good at the dialogue as long as it's Americans. Because <laughs> that was terrible. Yeah. I mean at one point somebody called him Sting and that was funny because he was modeled after Sting. That's fair. But other than that, it was just like, oof, this is not a good version of Constantine. Good Zatanna. I yeah. liked Zatanna. Zatanna was written in this. And I liked the second half of it a lot, even though I got a little lost at the end. Like, I, I feel like I need to know more about Manhunter. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. So when they figure out that Leviathan is something, Manhunter to with, stick. something to do with her Manhunter stick, I don't know what that means. And I don't want to know what that means. It's not an invitation for people to tell me I want the reveal to happen on the comic next issue. In a way, that's exciting because I don't know what that means. So hopefully next issue they will tell me. I haven't figured it out yet. And what Tali has to do with it because she was attacked by Leviathan. So it wouldn't make sense for her to also be Leviathan. But who knows? It's fun. Well, we only got one more to go. I like it. I do like it. I know you do. <laughs> That's condescending. Was right? Wonder Twins yours? Yeah. Your pick of the week. Wonder Twins. Yours. I laughed out loud many times reading this book. I thought it was <laughs> super whimsical. The The principal had quote after quote after quote that was killing me. He's the second panel, <laughs> aging is waking up every morning wondering if this is as good as you're going to get. <laughs> Sadly taps on his iPad as he eats his food. So this issue was drawn by guest artist Mike Norton, which was fun. I, at first, it took me about three pages. I was like, this is not Stephen Byrne. Byrne. Yeah. Who is this? And I had to go back. Let's go, Norton. <laughs> the guards in the ice cream truck killed me, and they did it three separate times. <laughs> this... um. This issue sort of takes a break from the main story a little bit and it sort of deals with aging and regret and all, all the things that you deal with as an adult. It, it, the, the main crux is that it's the class of 89's 30th high school reunion, which includes the principal. So there's a lot of stuff here about, about let's say, being a 48 and having a lot of regret. Yeah. Which is just, inching ever closer. Then there's a fully different sequence where – First of all, kids don't handle reunions. That's not a thing that happens, yeah, but they whatever. Don't let, they don't let the kids to school run the reunion, but that's fine. It was funny. So Zayna wants to have this run, and she, she, makes, she puts Zayna in charge of the, the casino, and she's like, you need to take this seriously like an adult. And it slowly devolves into a figure from Casino. It, it was funny every time. And he had a mustache. And a blazer over his costume, and he was like – Running Who it was like, the Yanni guy? I don't know. Just somebody from the reunion. Okay. Yeah, that's great. It was funny, but I have to knock it for, as you mentioned to me, horrible use of the Yeti microphone. 
the microphone that Zane is using for her school announcements is the one I'm currently talking into, and I think Josh is as well. It, it, yes. It does not work that way. And I've seen many people, mm-hmm. we used to have some at work in the conference rooms, and people would constantly do what she's doing, which is talking to the top of it, which is not where the bubble of sound is. You're not wrong. The field, there's a word around it that I can't remember, but there's an actual technical term that I used to know because I have a degree. But the sound field, you don't point the Yeti microphone at your lips, basically. It, it comes from around the no side. Sound. Yeah. Also, it's not a wireless model. <laughs> so that's another thing. But I, it got me so angry. I was like, oh, she's talking in the wrong part. Well, the worst part about it is that he knew enough to put a Yeti microphone. <laughs> right. Which means he's using it wrong. Exactly. We have a friend who does another podcast, which I'm not going to name. Put a picture up of his setup, nice blue Yeti there, pointed right at his lips, and I was like, dude. <laughs> I didn't tell him publicly. I went in uh, privately. I was like, that's, you, that's all wrong. Doing it all wrong. Because I care about sound quality. Also, you know, yeah. we're number one. Anyway, <laughs> it, it's just, you know, you got to knock it down half a point for that one. But the, the rest of it was great. All the Casino Night stuff was great as that evolved into disaster. And then it was like, was it a heist? That was happening? Is that what was going on? She escaped from prison. Oh, that's right. The girl then, from, yeah. Yeah, which uh, would by the way, also really good. I, I really like that plot of the girl who was trying to save her dad, but her dad got you know trapped by Lex and had to be a villain and like how that's turning and how the relationship. Like, that's all really good character and plotting work in addition to everything else and her whole thing about how she broke out of prison. There was a ton in this issue. It was, it was great. Yeah, it was, there was a lot going on. Yeah, and it was handled really well. My favorite part was the, the principal who was in love with the the librarian in high school yeah. and didn't want to go to the reunion because she was going to be there. And he's convinced to go. You know, it doesn't go the way you think it's going to go where they're going to reunite. She's like, yeah, it's too late. <laughs> Thanks for the nice words. Do you think it's too late? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's 30 years All ago. Right. <laughs> it was great. It was, it was, it was really funny. We do a lot of sponsorship. We talk a lot about products. I would say for the most part, almost almost the complete majority of time, really like those things. So now I'm going to talk to you about my Eero router. Mm. I love my Eero router and beacon system. I know system. you do. You talk like, about it. Wow. I do. I do. I talk about it in an unpaid capacity just off the cuff. I say to my friends, hey, I got a good Wi-Fi network going on here. And it's true. So one of the reasons I was glad that this came in is that before I had what I had considered to be a, a nice wireless router. I did research. I looked around. I spent a little more money. I work from home. We do this show. I need a very strong connection. I need lots of bandwidth. I need all those things. And I wanted to make sure that I got the best one. Because what would happen would be like on hot days for some reason, my wife, (laughs) my router would need to be rebooted all the time. Hot days, cold days, rainy days. Yeah. So I was really excited to sort of replace that system and got my hands on this Eero system and I, I literally have not had any of those problems again. And also, in addition, because of the beacons, these basically you just plug them into the wall in different places in your house trying to spread it out so that you get the best sort of coverage. I think it's mesh, is this what they're called? The network of everything that is made every room in my house, you know, including my basement, my garage, around the around the edges of the house. Is, the Wi-Fi just works everywhere, which is great because there is no cell signal where I live. <laughs> like, it's really bad. It's been reliable, it's stable, it updates itself. You know, the ever you know the old router every once in a while like, I wonder how my firmware is. And you're like, Oh, it's two years out of date. I yeah. guess I should do this. It does it on its own. You can always check it on the phone on the app on your phone. I've I've just been really happy with it and it's been really stable. Like I've had it for I wanna say two years now, maybe more. It's been doing really well. So 
I can recommend it for sure. Eero is the Wi-Fi that your home deserves. There is an all-new Eero. It starts at just, are you ready for this? You've listened to this before and you've thought, maybe let me look into it. It starts at just $99 now. Eero blankets the whole home with fast, reliable Wi-Fi, eliminates poor coverage, dead spots, and buffering. Oh, that doleful buffering. <laughs> You'll have consistently strong signal whenever you need it. I don't have cable. I don't have phones. It all comes through Wi-Fi. Like, I need it to work. It sets up in just minutes. It plugs right into your uh, modem or your modem router box. You manage it from a very simple app, iOS or um, Android. The app lets you pause the Wi-Fi for dinner and get alerts if any device attempts to join the network. You can... <laughs> If you were so inclined, you could shut it down on just your kid's device. <laughs> if you felt like being a jerk, you can do that. There's no more Netflix buffering in the master bedroom. Kids aren't going to complain that the Xbox doesn't get a signal. There's no more worrying that your security camera will be offline when you need it. It just works. Aero has fixed all of those things. And uh, if you've got those issues, you can get yours as fixed as soon as tomorrow. Because if you go to Eero.com slash iFanboy, you enter the code iFanboy at checkout. Remember that $99 we told you about earlier? Just keep that in mind compared to what you're paying for a router. Uh, you're going to get free overnight shipping with the code iFanboy. That's E-E-R-O.com slash iFanboy with the code iFanboy. Free overnight shipping for your Eero. You'll have it set up in minutes, and, and you'll be pretty happy too. So, again, make sure you get to Eero.com slash iFanboy and code iFanboy. And thank them very much for sponsoring the show. The Amazing Spider-Man 31, I only want to mention because I don't know what's going on because I'm not reading Absolute Carnage. I've read nothing about Absolute Carnage. But I do love it when Otley's drawn this book. And I do love it when Green Goblin's involved, when it's Norman Osborn. And I know that's like the shocking thing to say as someone like Spider-Man. But they have such a deep to the 60s of Marvel connection and, and, a, mm. and a deep, dark one. That's when it's used properly, when deployed correctly, Norman Osborn showing up was like a scalpel to Peter Parker's heart. Just showing up. Totally. I love those moments. Right. And it's too bad that I have no idea what was going on this issue and, and hate Cletus and don't care. And I was like, all right, Otley's back. Oh, I don't want to read this. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, you know, I read it not knowing the larger story. It's And it's mostly not involved with that, but it, also a lot. See, I had just read the one before it, and I was like, all right, this is the stuff. The issue, last issue was great, and this looks good, but I was completely, like, I was kind of bummed. I think are they implying that that new villain is Harry? I guess. It did. They did seem to be implying that. Yeah. Anyway, stupid Carnage stuff aside, which I don't care about, I liked the other stuff that was happening around it. And this appears to be, by the checklist, yes, the final tie-in issue. So next, next, in two weeks, uh, we get back to just Spider-Man. Good. Which is good. Good. Yeah. Hey, do you remember the last time that we talked about Usagi Yojimbo and I said, I know you didn't like those first three issues, but four was really good? Mm-hmm. Five was even better. Five was the second part of the story that started in four. Okay. And it was a real heartbreaker of a story and just, I mean, wonderful. I was like, oh, this is, this is, this is what I come to these issues for. Usually one or two issues and done, uh, you know, a story comes across somebody, something happens. It is not always a happy ending. It's a bummer. This one I thought was, was super strong. How are you feeling with the color? I mean, I kind of got used to it. I, I will say that one of the things about it, which you know, could be seen as a feature, could be seen as a bug, um, is that Sakai's workout is always pretty flat. Mm -hmm. um, and this tends to give the world a little more depth, which I think can work. It's almost not like one's better than the other. Black and white is better because it, it's what it was. It's what it was originally. But right. I don't think at this point it's taken a lot away from it either. If that's the thing that it takes to get more people to look at it, and I, I doubt that'll be the case, <laughs> and, then I'm fine. But it's the same thing where, like, you know, all the bone stuff got put into color and then kids everywhere read it. So that's a that's a bonus as far as I'm concerned because a lot of people got to read that wonderful cartooning and that wonderful storytelling. 
But the, these two last issues, four and five, were wonderful. Right. Great ending. Maybe I'll thing. go check them out then. So the great thing about not being all in, in the world of comics media as we used to be and not keeping up with all the news and not knowing what's coming is that I had no idea that the Batman's Grave was a thing. And I saw it on the, sh- the shipping list and I was like, what is this book? And I had to Google it and I was like, Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch. <laughs> Have they – and they must have worked together since The Authority. But I can't, even, I can't think off the top of my head what that would be. They must have done something. They did um... – You think about it. This is the classic team from The Authority which – Changed the face of comics in the early 2000s and mm-hmm. with the way they, you know, the deconstructed widescreen storytelling. And they're back here with inks by Kevin Nolan, which adds a nice bit of depth and personality to, to Hitch's work. Telling a, a 12 issue Batman miniseries called The Batman's Grave. Alfred is played by David Niven. <laughs> and I'm not sure what the story is yet. There's a serial killer or some sort of weird killer while Alfred's having a lot of ennui about what Batman does. And. If I can have any criticism, it would be that I thought his blowing up at Bruce about Batman just beats up poor people is something that many people online have leveled at Batman, but not something Alfred has ever said or I think would ever think. Well, I mean, there's room for interpretation of sort of, you know, this is like an Elseworlds thing and you want Mm -hmm. to take a different step on it. Like who would be able to have that conversation with Mm -hmm. with Batman, with with Bruce Wayne? Mm -hmm. Alfred's the only person. Yeah. So I know what you're saying. Uh, yeah, but I wasn't really sure what to make of it. Quite. Alfred understands what's going on here. He's inside yes. of it. So this is that's more of an outsider's perspective than an insider's yeah. perspective. That's good. I, I mean, that's a minor quibble. I, I did enjoy this, even though I'm you know I'm not again not really sure what's happening because it is. I don't think I even realized it was twelve issues until this moment when I looked at the cover. I, I thought maybe this was like a short miniseries, knowing the history of this, the creative team. That's a heck of a commitment. Yeah. From both of them. I can't. Yes, no, I know, and I, and I kind of thought, what if you guys did something else with that time? <laughs> I, I thought this was maybe like three issues, you know, uh-huh. or, or six of the most, but 12, woof. All right. Well, I guess. It's funny because it didn't even seem all that, quote-unquote, decompressed. No, there's a lot. That's why, because there's a lot going on here. And yeah. There's a lot going on in Gotham. Why is there a lot going on in Gotham? I forgot. Uh, 911 is overwhelmed, so Batman intercepts a 911 call and goes to investigate, and it's a dead body, and... He's been missing for a while, and I, I liked all that bit. I liked the investigative part. You know, you don't, we don't get a ton of Batman in purely investigating crimes these days. So, you know, his holographic crime scene was cool, and getting in the head of the victim and the head of the criminal was cool, and well, that was all good. So I'm curious to see where this goes or what, what the point is. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. It's not a bad creative team. No, it's a good one. And the Nolan Inks add a little bit to the, the Hitch stuff, which at times can feel a little lifeless yeah not not always but at times when he draws on his own and inks himself it can be a little rubbery yeah and i think nolan sort of tacks it down to sort of a more classic style so what you get sometimes with, with, with an inker like that where yeah you know, when Winston cabbage would ink norton uh, it was like that oh. too where you you got instead of just you know quote unquote tracing you got a meshing of styles which made it better and I think this is yeah Cla- here. Cla- klaus jansen inked somebody last week Either way, whenever Klaus Janssen eats something, I get excited about that because he just makes it better. Yep. Yep, same kind of deal here. Those are the books we wanted to talk about. Go to uh, patreon.com slash ifanboy, and every patron there can vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, it was basically a tale of two books. It was The Batman's Grave and Doctor Doom, and they both sucked up all the air out of the room. Those hardly any votes or any other books. But Doctor Doom number one ended up winning, written by Christopher Cantwell, who's a TV writer on one of our favorite shows, Hall and Catch Fire. 
and mm. art by Salvador La Roca, who I cringed at at first. But by the end of the issue, I think I was all right with it. Yeah, it's a little it's a little better than I'm used to. Well, the first scene is a newscasters, and you get the La Roca faces. Yeah, and then after that, it's almost all people in masks. That was the thing about his Darth Vader series that kind of worked because just masks, so it didn't matter. Yeah, whenever somebody would show up, you, you get the little Roka face. But whenever, you know, it's Dr. Doom and, and the guest star we're going to talk about in a second. It's mostly people in masks. He can't do the faces, so I was all right with it. Yeah. So this is a Dr. Doom miniseries that starts off all about climate change and how there's a plan to suck the carbon out of the air on the Earth and deposit it on the moon in this sort of toxic waste situation. And, and they're starting up the program. Dr. Doom is very much against it. He goes on the news. <laughs> Joining us from Latveria, Dr. Doom, to say it's a bad idea. No one listens to him. He has his own camera team in Latveria, and I love the guy, who the, his audio guy. That was great. And then in the classic Star Trek six fashion, someone launches his missiles and blows up the whole facility before it can turn on, and so now he's being blamed for it. And there's certainly a tension here as everyone thinks Dr. Doom destroyed Earth's only hope of saving the planet. I started off slow. Mm-hmm. I thought, I don't know if I like this. Because let's, let's go back, as it reminded me, I was like, all right, Bendis was doing that great Doctor Doom mm-hmm. for a while as Iron Man, and I really dug that. In the Fantastic Four, he went back to just being Doctor Doom and evil. It's fine, but, you know, it's kind of like I felt like we'd been somewhere and then we were ignoring it. And then our friend, Galactic Time Warlord, Kang shows up and I said, "Oh, okay, you've got my attention here." But that, you know, that 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 will that would soon get like, "Okay, yeah, it's funny Kang showed up. We make a joke about it on the show, blah blah blah." But the nature of the conversation and how it happened it was, great. It was great. Yeah. It was like he he didn't really know where he was coming from. Doom wasn't mad about it. Mm-mm. Like they were trying to figure out if they were friends or enemies, and neither of them were sure. And then he just sort of blinks out and he's gone, you know, and and, and Doom just accepts it. I like this sort of doom behind the scenes, mm-hmm. you know, and then you get to the part, you know, the, the Star Trek six bit that you're talking about. That's really interesting. But what was more interesting was how doom handled it. Right. And like immediately goes into action. He tells victorious, you're going to be the new region. I'm going to have to surrender myself. Like he understands everything that's about to happen. You know, he gets attacked. There's a fight. Union Jack. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he basically turns himself in. And who's the other one? Paladin. No. Um, the Agent other- Zero. I can't remember what that's from, but it doesn't matter. But all this time he's having like this visions of an alternate life, which, you know, where he has a wife and kids and everything. I found it very compelling. I like the little moments. I really enjoyed the um, moment in the beginning where he's getting ready for bed and he puts some oils or creams onto bandages and wraps his face before bed. Yeah. I like that. It's a very little thing. Yeah. I like this. I like this a lot. The big concept, it's it's Warren Ellis-like, you know, and it's like we're going to open up a black hole on the far side of the moon and that's where we're going to put our pollution. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's big. That's a big space concept. I can take that. And they drew the black hole just like the one in Interstellar. <laughs> so It's exactly the same. I mean, if... It, which is not a problem. I like the Bendis story, but I'm a Doom traditionalist. I like Doom to be Doom. Mm-hmm. And when you say Doom being Doom, it's hard because he is... He's not exactly Lex Luthor... But he's very similar in that he thinks he's the good guy in a way. You know, there's a lot of stories about him trying to take over the planet, not because he's a villainous tyrant, because he thinks he can do it better than everybody else. And, he, you know, there's a great Emperor Doom. And old, it's one of the original OGNs that Marvel put out in which he did finally take over the Earth 
and you know runs like a benevolent dictator and it wasn't like he wanted to enslave everybody he just wanted to be in charge and he's good at it right so there's a little bit of gray area with doom although i like him ultimately to be villainous i think it is fun to see him as someone who understands politics understands science and magic and sees why things are going wrong but no one listens to him because he's dr doom (laughs) you know that name is not going to engender you much that's not uh, his fault so i like this a lot i think this is great i'm I'm glad this was the pick i mean i was gonna read it anyway but I'm glad it was the pick. I'm glad we get to talk about it. I'm looking forward to reading more of it. It's, does it say how long it's going to be? Probably six issues. doesn't say. They never tell you on the cover of the first issue because they want you to think it's ongoing. I'm, probably, I'm sure it's six issues. I'm looking forward to more. As am I. Ratings? Ratings. Uh, four? I think it's a very solid number. Four. Four. Four out of five. Four. Sticking with it. Yeah. Yes, I am as well. I am as well. So that was the Patreon pick over patreon.com slash ifanboy. You can go vote for the added book to the rundown. But if you give it the $5 or higher level, everybody who does that gets their own superpower live on the show. Sometimes with thought and prep, sometimes with not thought and prep. It's all improv at the end of the day. Sure. So let's start it off and give our first power away. Well, I'm guessing this isn't a Christian name. <laughs> but Blast It or Stash It, which may be some sort of game show, but who knows? <laughs> They're supporting the show, so I'll give it to them, whatever. And if mom stash it and pop blast it, you know, want to want to be part of this. this is some kind fine. of hippie name. <laughs> I'm just gonna call this one blast. That's I'm gonna go blast and stash it. His sister Moonbeam. Yeah. So if uh, blast has perfect planning, hmm. he can see how or she they whatever can see how long. Uh, everything is going to take in a given day. Have you ever, you ever tried to make yourself – I know that you've had some problem, <laughs> problems with planning today. I might be living it right now, yes. Well, you ever take a day off and you think, okay, these are all the things I want to do. you got eight things on that list. You can get about three of them done mm-hmm. for various reasons. Well, that's not a problem for Blast It or Stash It. Right. That's a, that's, that's a perfect planning of not only how each thing will actually take in real time but also the best order in which to do them and also the ability to just know ahead of time, oh, this part's not going to get done. Mm-hmm. It's not even there. Like This is the time that we have to do things in given geographical and weather. All that stuff is, is just a known quantity and can be arranged like a Lego of your time. Just mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. It fits exactly that way. It's a very useful and can be done for others. Hey, oh, I got to okay. do all this stuff on Friday. How, how do I? All right, here's what you're going to do. Austin Riley knows why. Why? If you ask Austin a why question, Austin has the answer. He's just a dad. <laughs> just knows why. Why? I get a lot of why questions. <laughs> but he would have the correct answer. I will explain why, and then they will follow it up immediately with why, and I'm like, <laughs> literally. Like the last thing I said before you said why was why. <laughs> so it, let me ask you this. Is Austin Riley's answer satisfy the person asking it? Well, it depends on the person, but, but the answer is correct. Okay. Are you suggesting that some of my answers aren't? I'm, 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 maybe. I'm, I've not heard all your answers, but maybe you don't have all the answers, but you have to give an answer, whereas Austin does have the answer. That would be, that'd be very useful. Like it, it, it applies to anything? Like you could ask Austin, why are we here? Wow. I don't think I want to know. Exactly. So some of the questions are maybe too much, but he has the answers if you want to know the answers. Right. Hmm. Me. Yep. I wonder if his judgment is very good or it just goes in one ear and out the other. <laughs> he knows why, but it's it's not. Well, he can, no, he can answer why, but it's not like he knows everything at all times. It's like you ask him the question and then the answer will appear in his head. Right. Right. 
He's not walking around with the weight of the universe on his shoulders. He just knows the answer if someone were to ask the question. Okay, okay. That's, that's probably helpful for one's own sanity. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Wilbur has automated package tracking in his head. <laughs> knows where it is, if it's coming, what happened. What time it'll actually arrive. Yeah, yeah. And if, if there's going to, like, oh, it says it's getting delivered today. It's not. Oh, why? He's like, you can go out for lunch. It's not going to be here for, like, four hours. That is a problem because it always comes to me like, you know what? I think I'm going to go get that burrito. It's a bad time. I don't get a lot of things delivered that need to be signed, but when I do, I do it wrong. You have a lot of logistic issues in your mind right now. I do. I, I do. Listen, I'm not even trying to hide it right now. These are things that I think would be useful, not just for me, but for everyday, ordinary uh, folks. Mm-hmm. For the, for the j- jamoke on the street. Matthew Glenn... Here's the thing about Matthew Gunn. I had a power for him when I was driving, and now I don't. So I can help you remember the things that were on the tip of your tongue and they disappeared. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say it, and he's like, abominable snowman. How did you know that, Matthew? There you go. Perfect. So Josh saves the day with his third power. So Matthew Glenn knows what everyone was going to say but forgot. (laughs) God, that would help me with the kid who asks why all the time, too. (laughs) So you go, um, 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 um. Um, I'm not even exaggerating. Anyway. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go at the $5 high level, get your own superpower, or you can just help the show out. We can reach our next stretch goal, which is the monthly non-comics media podcast, and also uploading all the full-length video shows and minis that are missing from our YouTube channel. Put them up there. That's the next stretch goal. If you want to get there, Patreon.com slash iFanboy. It's the best way to help the show. We do appreciate it. It keeps the lights on. Also, the t-shirt store, iFanboy.threadless.com. You can get our seven designs, iFanboy logo, Herm, Pick a Week podcast, ratings if one is Electro, GDAT, nothing makes sense, nothing matters. Those are all available at iFanboy.threadless.com and also on other items other than shirts as well. iFanboy.com slash support. That's where you can help us out via PayPal directly. iFanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find links to buy the books from the Booksplode shows as well as the general Amazon link. We thank everyone who does that. Okay, so now we're introducing a new segment in the show called State of the X-Men with Ron Richards. <laughs> that, that assumes a, a uh, consistency to the bit, <laughs> as opposed to the one-off <laughs> welcome back, what do you think moment that we're doing. I just wish that the sound effects of the clacking keyboard was ready in time, <laughs> and I'd like to apologize. That was on me. <laughs> so you may be hearing a third voice. That's our old co-host, iFanboy co-founder Ron Richards. Hello. Who- who left us many moons ago to go work at Marvel, but has come back through the power of many people asking yes, to find out what our former X-Men dork thinks about the current state of the X-Men. Yeah, no, so with the, with the, with the event led by Jonathan Hickman and with art by Pepe Larraz and R.B. Silva on House of X, Powers of Ten, ever since July when it started, I've had many, many of the iFan base pinging me on social media asking me, what do you think? What do you think? And so wanted to make sure that we had a moment to talk about it and to let you guys know what I think of the X-Men. <laughs> and I should use this moment for me to say that this is my opinion it doesn't reflect any uh, official positioning by Marvel Entertainment or Marvel Comics. Any opinion within this podcast is my own. So there you go. <laughs> this, is, this is okay. So this is not official. This is they allow you to have an opinion. Right. Exactly. Wow. <laughs> and part of it was also is that like I wanted to. It makes sense to wait until it's over. Like we've had the the sure. House of X Powers ten. So this way I'm not like advocating for you to go buy it or like promoting I, it or anything like that. I was that. ready to bring you on after the first powers of 10 <laughs> the, the whatever the first like Moira's different now. I was like <laughs> bring him on. 
<laughs> what does this mean? So I will do my best because I've had the benefit of talking to Hickman about this, and I've had the benefit of actually being in the room during a couple of the publishing creative uh, retreats uh, to hear them talk about it. So I, I, I have, I do have a, a some privileged information in terms of what Hickman's kind of direction is and the larger thing. But I really just want to stick to kind of what's going on, like what just happened with these twelve issues, and basically personally as an X Men fan, what I think of them. Before I do that, though, what do you guys like them? Where, 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 I don't want. Am I walking into a hostile room? Someone, Josh, has not been listening listen to, the to the show. show. <laughs> <laughs> listen, I'm busy. <laughs> no, I know Connor. You like it. Josh hates it, right? No, <laughs> I think we're, we're we're very similar. I am enjoying. We both really like House of X a lot. Yeah, and Powers of X would tend to lose us, or Powers, Powers of Ten. 10. Yeah. You ten- can't have, you can't have ten and have it mean two different things. <laughs> but do you understand why it's that? I do, but it's an yeah. X, and so don't be like, no, if it's X this way. It's a little, I'll be honest, it's a little uh, precious clever on Jonathan's part. But also, so it's not indicated it. anywhere. Yeah, you know, no, you, no. The, yeah. If you're just reading a comic and you're not plugged in, you don't know what, what's happening. Yeah, you, yeah. Whenever we're into the future, that's when it would lose us. Powers of 10 was, was much more heady. Jonathan Hickman, that Josh tends to not like as much. And I don't, I don't like as much, but less than Josh. But we both enjoyed House of X. We both really liked the art from Arby Silva and Pepe Larraz. Arby Silva and Pepe Larraz, like total, like like both of them were channeling Eminem in their own personal yes. ways. That I that blew. And I was because when this got announced, I was like, great, Hickman on the X Men. I'm excited. And I was like, oh, Pepe Larraz, Arby, Arby Silva, like those. You know, like I still, I'm somewhat stuck in the mindset of where we were when we started doing iFanboy ten years ago. Mm-hmm. We're like, give me Frank Quitely, give me Stuart Eminem, give me these big names. And as this next generations of artists coming in, I will admit I was a little like not as enthused. But when I saw that first issue, I was like, oh, man, they're they're spot on. This is this is good. It was 15 years ago, Ron. So just to give you our our thoughts overall, then you can run with it, is that we liked it. And as a as a setup for the new paradigm of the X-Men, I thought it worked really well. I think Josh came around to that by the end. I think that's I accurate. I think that I once I recognized it was not going to be its own story, which now in retrospect, duh. But once I, I recognized that sort of it was a setup, this is the new world, I, you know, like I, I kind of wanted to read a single story. But like it works like that. My concern is still that like they basically turned these guys into dictators in a way. And they've said to the rest of the world – yeah, we're not going to take your shit anymore. And and since we no no, I mean now we're getting. I mean I I don't necessarily agree with that. I think what what they did was what Xavier and Magneto and Moira, you know, where, where Xavier and Magneto ended up was that you know, listen, we've been dreaming of coexistence, and you keep telling, and it says it right there in Powers of Ten, the issue that came out this week. You know, mm-hmm. we've been we've been hoping for coexistence, and you keep killing us. So now we're I, done. This would all these, all these, all these cures and all these miracle drugs would have been a gift to you previously. But now there's a price, and the price is you have to acknowledge that our, this is our country, and you have to acknowledge that we are a sovereign nation, which I don't think is an yeah. unreasonable ask on their part. No, and, you're not. Yeah. You're not wrong. No, I actually agree with that part. But I do yeah. think that it lends a sort of like, well, they don't really feel like superheroes anymore. They feel like like the other because we don't represent mutants. We are the humans. So I'm like so so that right. makes all of us the bad guys. And and, and, I th- and, and you're and you're right because I th- I do think that the the positioning the the status quo that Hickman laid out now is de- and it says it also again in the book it is positioning humans versus mutants and what why I think that that is so compelling is because we know he says it in he said it in the book they lose. 
Right. Like, the, yeah. like the, the Moira's lived through this, and every time they lose, and so they're trying to they're trying to fight a, a battle that they know that, and we know they're going to lose, and they're selling a lie. And it's going to be really interesting over the next couple of years to see how they exist in whichever life this is of more the sixth life now or whatever life that we're in of Moira is now of how they sell the lie, which I think is fascinating. I so 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 as if you can if you can't tell by now, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I think going back to Connor, what you said about why you guys liked House of X versus Powers of Ten, I think House of X is Jonathan Hickman doing his best version of a Marvel comic book. Yeah. And I think Powers of Ten is Marvel putting out the most acceptable version of a Jonathan Hickman comic book that they can, right? Yes, and that and that's and, yeah. and that's the balance, and that's the yin and the yang there. And I think what he did was this this, and it's funny because I've been involved in a lot of the marketing and such stuff like that. And as we talk about it, it's like trying to build this up as another moment in X-Men history that you had like when it launched in 63 and then you had all new, all different in 75. And then you had 91 with Jim Lee and Claremont and, you know, blue X-Men blue and gold that ushered in an era. Then you had Grant in 2001 that ushered in an era. This is the next era. And honestly, I think it's, it's, and it's a little bit of a retcon with Moira. I get it. I think, I don't know if it's a retcon, but if it's just more of a playing with a piece that hasn't been played with before um, and giving it a, a larger scope. But I think what's amazing is what Jonathan has reset the paradigm of X-Men within the Marvel universe and did it in a way where everything that's happened both matters and doesn't matter. Right. Right. Which is genius. Like, and that's the thing is like you have to if you're going to do like to, to do this right to not piss off X-Men fans like me. You can't tell me that everything that happened doesn't matter. Right. Well, we have a T-shirt for that. Exactly. But at the same time, you can't move forward unless you think that none of it matters. And he was able to to figure out how to ba- counterbalance those two ideas and, you know, and using Moira's reincarnation and the experiences that they have and all this sort of stuff. And like now at the end of the series, like I'm jazzed to see, like, how do the how do the X-Men interact with the Avengers now? How do they interact with with any other any other supervillains or any other uh, any other heroes in the Marvel Universe? Because it's all it's completely different. And I know there was a lot of you know consternation or a lot of kind of questioning the whole reincarnation bit of it. And are you know are they clones? Are they, they themselves now or whatever? But like the I, the fact that you know like what it's almost a it's almost a funny inside joke in that he took dying off the table. Dying doesn't matter anymore, right? Which makes sense because Gene was the first one to erase. A, a character death meaning anything in the Marvel universe, right? When they brought back Gene in the eighties, right? So it all kind of it. it, it I, I just love how he took all the little nuance of the X Men universe over the past fifty years or whatever and turned it into this modern take now, which is it's it's not about hated and feared anymore. It's not the metaphor. It's not it's not you know the the teenager doesn't fit anymore. It's not that at all. I don't know what it is because it's Hickman, but it's well, not it's not that which I, i'm i'm okay with i think it's time well, for something new that's the question i think that i think the thing that's interesting to me or or and and i think this actually is typified in in cyclops actually at one point in the early on like he was back in like not Krakoa, and he ran into the other superheroes and he was kind of jovial and happy again but then he goes back to Krakoa, and he's you know he's sort of the soldierly guy yeah. and i think it's interesting i think it makes complete sense that he would have been uh, radicalized which is basically what happened yeah he you know tried to go along with it and after a while he said screw this now i don't think that was super fun for the character i think that changed him a lot it totally makes sense on paper everything that they said makes sense with them on paper you know is good but 
Connor and I keep going to the fact that you feel like at some point somebody, probably Logan, seems like the most, it would be like, hey, are we really going to do it like this? As, yeah. a, as opposed to every single one of them just going, this is awesome, let's have a giant party in Ewok Village. Because that's what happened. That's what happened now. That's what happened at now, the end now. of the, now. Now, that's what that's what happened at the, the at the end of this book, and now with Dawn of X, and, and I don't want to get too promotion, but like with the X Men and with the other books coming up, like I almost feel like what what we just read was prologue. Well, it is absolutely it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, the past is prologue, so yeah. Well, that was that was then. This is now. When <laughs> now? Now. now? So it's a little weird that the X Men are like a. Cocoa and sex cult now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's it, it just they're, they're coming off as very culty. Yeah. And it's, it's just the, the sticking point is it's not a huge sticking point because we do enjoy it. Is that, as Josh said, no one was like, hmm, this is weird. Yeah. We've never been like this before. Or, yeah. hmm, it's weird that we're just going to reclone everybody every time they die. And I realize that's a comic book thing, but like, you know, there's no discussion about, about is the people want to be cloned again? Do they want to be brought back? Like, there's no choice well, and, in the matter. And, 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 and I think and I think that's part of it. I think that, that now they get to play with that concept. And you you cannot tell me, like the moment I read that and the mo- A, the moment it got explained to me, and then the moment I read it, my first immediate thing is like, oh God, what happens what happens when someone doesn't come back that wanted to? Or what happens when yeah. the database gets corrupted or erased or stolen? Like there's so stories. many st- Yeah, there's so many stories that can come out of this. Like there's enough fuel here to drive I think many years of stories. Um like laid the groundwork for it and like it's somewhat yeah it makes you ask a lot of questions but if you ask me that's that that's what's exciting about it is that we don't have i don't have any of those answers i think that for all the good work that's been done over the last however many years of the x-men i do think that they're in a better place now than they've been in, in a long time i think they're more interesting I, I i had been reading uncanny up until this point and it was fine you know there was good work being done but it was, it was clearly in a, in a treading water situation but even then you could probably put that label on the X-Men for the last five years. Right. I don't know that Marvel or anyone knew really what to do with them. This, at least this is a point of view and a different direction, and, and we'll see where it goes. Because uh, I don't know the last time I would say the X-Men were compelling. Right. Really compelling overall. And right now, right now they're compelling. Yeah. True. Exactly, and I agree. And, and as an X Men fan, don't get me wrong, I was nervous. And when the first time I saw that Faye Xavier saying to me, "My X Men," as they're crawling out of the pods with the, with the big helmet on his head, <laughs> and by the way, Hickman's got a thing for giant people helmets. with helmets, the, the we, giant helmets. Yeah, exactly. We know, and it's not okay. <laughs> it's slightly disturbing. I'll agree with that. It's, but it's, it's weird. But I, you know, I got, I got, you know, I'm middle as the X Men fan. I got nervous because you know how much I care about this stuff and how much it means to me and all this sort of stuff. But and I went into it with that kind of like, uh, you know, what's he gonna do to it? And the the first powers of ten, I was like, what the hell is this? But now, like, I I, I see it, I get it, and I I just can't wait for more. So you're so okay like, with yeah. the X Men Clone Saga? I'm totally happy with the X Men Clone Saga. This is not your Cyclops. This is Clone Cyclops. But that's the th- that's the thing. It is my Cyclops. No, he's been, he got blown up on that space station. No, but that's the thing is that. It, but it's 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 it doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> that's that. That's what's so genius is that it's 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 a different. It's a di- like they are Homo superior and they have a different way of doing everything, including this, and not marrying themselves to the singular body. If they can, if the 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 true you know like Cerebro was meant to back up your essence and they're able to replicate the body. 
it brings up a lot of questions and a lot of like what is right, what is wrong, and all this sort of stuff. But it doesn't seem as if who knows, maybe a storyline is about the degradation of the clones or, or for some reason they're not. But right now I'm sold on the fact that the Cyclops that came out of that pod is the Cyclops that was there before he blew up on that space. But younger and fitter. Right. Yeah. That's what's great is that you can come back however you want to at whatever point in your life you want to, which is pretty good. uh, I've been uh, overdoing a little bit on the ham lately. (laughs) Mind taking me back, Chuck? (laughs) I got two final questions and we'll let you go. Yes. One, for people who aren't necessarily going to want to read all six issues like Josh, and I, quite frankly, I don't want to read a Marauders comic or whatever. Yep. Is there a main book? Is there an uncanny? Is X-Men the un- the main book? I mean, that's a great question. I, I mean, I, the, the stock answer is that the sales and marketing answer is that they all read independent. They all read independently, but they're all telling a larger story. I do know that Jerry Duggan and, and Ben Percy and Teeny Howard, Brian Edward Hill and Hickman and Ed Brisson, the folks that are writing them, you can I don't know if you can hear crying babies in the background. Um, That's new. <laughs> yeah, that's a new thing. All the people writing the books are writing together to tell a large story, kind of like the way the X-Men used to be like in the 80s when X-Factor and New Mutants and Excalibur and stuff like that all existed on their own, but then all tied in together. So there will be references from what I understand to the other books, but like anything, read what you want. X-Men is the book Hickman's writing, though. X-Men is the book that Hickman's writing. Hickman's so I would assume writing, if, you're reading, if you could only read one, that would be the one. Hickman's writing X-Men and he's writing New Mutants. Okay, so if you're going to only read one or two, those would be the ones to read, I think. Well, I, I mean... I don't know because I don't know because New Mutants is is basically Sam and Bobby and the other New Mutants in space, mm. like it's off planet, like it has it has to do with Shiar and like it's all stuff like that. And so like New Mutants sounds really great, but I don't know how it ties into what's going on in the larger tapestry. You know, X Men is mainly focused around Cyclops and the Summers family that live on the moon. You know, like you know, Marauders to me of all the books that I'm the most excited about, Marauders and Excalibur are the most interesting because Marauders is basically is basically Kitty and a team on on a pirate ship, you know, like which is you know like which is which is fascinating. And then Excalibur is making Betsy Braddock Captain Britain, and so you know me, you know how much I love the whole Captain Britain concept. So I'm there for that story. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I would say try the first issue of all of them, like, and and see what sticks, see what art you like, see what whatever you don't like. And they're they're supposed to be telling one big tapestry, but then just read what you like. Final question. Yes. Couldn't they have gotten something better than beer for that big party? <laughs> Wolverine likes beer. Sure, but they all had beer. Yeah. Well, so, you know, so you, you don't you don't like a good beer. I love a good beer. <laughs> that was Bright Tree Village, though, right? <laughs> it might I have mean, been. You, you look at that page, and I'm seeing yep. a little little Disney crossover. Yup, nub. Oh, you can <laughs> hear the song. When the when the X wing flew by and lit the fireworks, I thought that was the giveaway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss you guys. I love the show. I hope you're having fun. <laughs> Did you guys, you guys, you guys, you guys read Doctor Doom number one? Yeah, we talked about this very show. Yes. Oh, very good. Did you like it? We did. We yeah. got. We're doing a show here. <laughs> we got to go. So, what was the patron pick? That, that was the patron that. pick. Oh, good job, patrons! Bravo! All right. <laughs> All right. So, thanks, Ron. We have to go yeah. now. Wait, hang on. I need to thank one person for making this happen. Who is it? Someone on Twitter. Corey wanted to know what I thought about the House of X, House of X Powers of 10 stuff, wanted me to come on the show. And I told him if he became a patron, I might consider it. So thanks to Corey and the efforts of other people. Here I am. Here I was. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to go back in my windowless office in the Marvel <laughs> Entertainment I thought, office. I thought you were going to thank a bunch of like random people in the Marvel production. Also, the Ed <laughs> down in the mailroom. I got to thank him. He's been putting this out. Uh, oh, the accounting assistant, Stu. <laughs> really give it up for Jordan because Jordan is really, I mean, 
working with Jonathan and doing all this stuff, Jordan White is doing a great job on the on the books and his staff. They're doing yes. wonderful. Let's yeah. wrap this show up. Bye. Bye. Love you. Bye. We love you. All right. So instead, of, we did that instead of the email. So if you want to write us in contact.fanboy.com, we had a lot of great emails this week. Sorry we couldn't get to them, but we do. We had this special segment to do. And let's uh, tell them about the shows coming up, Josh. Well, the shows uh, that are already out are uh, Booksplode that Connor and I did talking about Sleeper. Book one, which uh, was Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Great book. Listen to that. Make sure if you haven't read it, you're going to want to listen to it and then do the whole thing. We did a show on the Joker movie. Mm-hmm. Joker, which Joker. is what it is called. Joker. Joker. Myself. Joker. Joker. <laughs> Myself, Connor, and Mike Romo. 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 Joker. Talked about that movie, whether we thought it was good or should exist, or listen to it. I could, I can't even tell you what I think, honestly. And then uh, there's a Toxplode coming out, mm-hmm. presumably this week. I never like to commit until I've recorded it, but between the time that you hear this and it goes up, I will have recorded it, and then you'll be like, oh, you've talked about that person's work a lot. Let's listen to this. It'll be a good time. And then at the end of the month, uh, you can look forward to listening to the animation brand trust talk about Wonder Woman Bloodline, which will be the last week in October. Head over to fanboy.com. That's where you can find all those shows, including the Joker show. You can find all the podcasts, all the old shows. You can also find out what the pick, Joker. Of the week, we pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy or following at ifanboy on Twitter or follow at ifanboy comics on Instagram where you can find the Best of the Week in Panels feature as well. And individually, we are at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram and at J.A. Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram. And if you like this, you can leave a review and or rate this, ratings, on uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever other medium you do to rate podcasts, if that's a thing. Not just us. Do it for anybody, any show. Do it for everybody. Just give everybody a good review. <laughs> Go down the or list. Or a bad review. Go down the line. The podcast that you really enjoy, especially, you know, like some of those independent ones, you know, make sure people know about it. That's a really good way to do it. And the other really great way to do it, possibly even better, is to let people know, you know, on a one-on-one. Word of mouth, tell people on social media, you know, tell people at the comic shop, do whatever. Like, oh, I love this show. You know, that that kind of thing really goes a long way, the personal testimony. So we thank everybody who does it for our show. And honestly, just as a, as a thing for sort of all the podcasts, I think that's a really great way to do things. That is it. That's it. Thanks for Ron for coming back real quick to uh, talk about the X Men. That was fun. And thanks to you for listening. And as always, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. All the cities that we burned down, just out of-